Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We started on October 18th. We started a series of talks called Let No One Deceive You. That was October 18th. I could not believe it was that long ago. And you know, when you don't really preach your message for three weeks in a row, then uh, you know things kind of fly by. But I want to I finish it up today. I'm not going to be talking about the same topics I have been on. Uh, what I've decided to do is save that for like a class or a course type setting where I can go through and talk about you know, some of the things biblically, uh, Revelation and Isaiah, got some things about Turkey and stuff that's happening in the world right now I'd really like to bring out. But it's just going to, I think it's going to be better suited in a classroom type setting or I say a small group. I'm going to invite everybody, but we're just going to do it in a way where we can break on that. So I don't even want to spend any time on that or focus on it. So today's Palm Sunday. And so I've got a message today that I'm going to speak on. It's in the Let No One Deceive You series, but uh, it's a little different vein. The subtitle of it is that No Cross, No Kingdom. No Cross, No Kingdom. So here at the Rhodes Church, we believe the Bible is still the truth, and uh, so we get excited whenever we open the Bible because we believe God wants to speak to us. So if you have your Bibles, come on, E-Rhodes Family, Mount Carmel, here in North City, let's open them up to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Man, this is a rowdy church. Yes, it is. We believe you should not be dead in church. You're alive on fire for God. We'll, we'll talk about that more in just a moment. So the Bible has a lot to say about what's going on in our world, and we're going to ch- take a peek at it right now. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 49. i got to hammer down here. Ready? It says this. This is Jesus talking. It's in the red. I'm going to read some scriptures here that may sound a little different. And you'll be like, is that really in the Bible? It's really in the Bible. That's why you should bring your own Bible so that you know it's in the Bible and not just on a screen where someone typed it up and it could be whatever. But read it right out of your own pages because some of the things we're going to read today, you're going to be like, for real? real?" Yeah, this is what Jesus said out of his own mouth. I came to send fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. I came to send fire on the earth That word kindled there means to ignite, to start a fire, to begin to burn. So Jesus is saying, I came with an agenda to start a fire. Now, most of the time when people hear fire of God, they get in their mind this image of angry God burning up everything in judgment. Mean God, fire, judgment. But that's not what Jesus is saying. I came to bring fire. Here's what it says out of the Passion Translation. It says, I have come to set the earth on fire and how I long for every heart to be already ablaze with this fiery passion for God. That's what Jesus said. I came to set everyone ablaze with a fiery passion for God. That's why he's saying he wants us to live as Christians. We should be burning with the fire. The Bible says his word should be in us like a fire shut up in our bones. The Bible also says that our God is a consuming fire. What does that mean? Fire here is not emotion like hype. Because passion and hype lasts about 24 hours. When's the last time that you thought that you were on fire for God? 
It's a phrase we used to use a lot. I don't know if we still use it as much, but how many how, when's the last time somebody accused you of being on fire for God? When's the last time they looked at you and said, man, that dude is on fire for God? What does that mean? Like you're literally burning? Like your clothes are singeing? Like you just lit the gas on the grill and <laughs> frayed all your eyebrows off? Not that I'm speaking from experience, but I heard that's happened before. <laughs> but what does that mean, on fire for God? Jesus said it's a fiery passion. So when I speak passion, I want to make sure you don't confuse that, don't get it twisted with excitement. That kind of excitement will not last. I've been in the game long enough to see people that are, Whoa! I've been in the game long enough to see me. Whoa! So passion and fire is not about excited. It's about a slow, enduring burn that stays lit. That's passion. Passion comes not because I'm hot today. Passion comes when I'm hot 25 years from now. I'm still burning. I know there's going to be times where we feel closer and all that. That can happen within an hour, let alone a lifetime. But I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. Man, that's really good. But we got to move on. Let me go. Uh, he said, I come to send, send fire on the earth. Look at verse 50. But... Okay, I came to light this fiery passion for God. Going to happen in Acts chapter 2. I got that in your sermon notes. You can read that part. So he's going to send this fire of the Holy Spirit. Verse 50, but, ooh, but. I've got this coming, but I have a baptism to be baptized with. So Jesus is saying, I, I got this exciting thing coming, but first, I've got a baptism. I'm going to be baptized with. Now, this is not the water baptism. That's already happened. What is this baptism? That word baptism there means plunged entirely into a difficult event, to be overwhelmed by a difficult experience. So Jesus said, I come to set fire on the earth, but first I got this very difficult deal that I've got to go through. I'm going to be immersed in it. What was this baptism that Jesus is talking about? How about getting beat with a cat of nine tails 39 times? How about getting nailed to a cross after you're betrayed and abandoned by all of your friends? I mean, we're entering into Passion Week. How many would recognize that's a pretty tough week? When everybody that's close to you I realize that everybody's not going to stay with him, but at least your homeboys, right. your posse, your crew, your 12, if not the 12, at least the three. No, they're all going to abandon him. One of your main dudes is going to say three times, I don't even know who he is. That's the baptism. Then they're going to take him and beat him. So it rips the flesh off of his body where he's unrecognizable. Push a crown of thorns on his head till it pierces his skull and begins to bleed profusely over his head. You're like, oh, that's gross. That's your savior. And then after that, they're going to take him. They're going to nail him to a cross naked. Not with this nice little cloth 
naked. That's how they crucified him. For the shame and embarrassment. He bore our shame. That's a whole other thing. So he's going to go through all of that. That's the baptism. He had to be baptized with. That's what he's talking about. What does he think about this baptism? What is he going to say? I have a baptism to be baptized with. How distressed I am till it's accomplished. How distressed. The word distressed means to hold together, but like pressing, pushing, to experience a great psychological pressure and anxiety. Was Jesus going, the cross is coming? No. I don't think he was... He came as a man. The Bible says that he humbled himself and took on the form of a man. He knows that he came to die and it was not going to be a pleasant death. So the stress and anxiety of it was on him. Just put yourself in that part for him for a moment. Because if Jesus had to go through this in his assignment, notice what it says, this, I'm distressed with this until it is accomplished. That means until it comes to the end, until it's executed, until it's completed. So Jesus came for an assignment, and part of his assignment was to go through a baptism that was miserably painful and pressurizing, anxiety, grief, and he's going to feel it until it's done. Wow! Wow. So if Jesus felt that, walking out his assignment, why would we feel like we would never have to feel any pressure walking out our assignment? Here's what I come to encourage you with today. (laughs) I said encourage on purpose because you may not feel like you're encouraged afterwards. But here's what I think. The church needs to know no cross, no kingdom. I believe the church has been lulled to sleep in this little message that we're not going to face any difficulties or any oppositions or any struggles. And then 2020 began to happen. And then things are changing in our world. And now there's coming this pressure and attention against Christians on a greater degree because we've never really had any persecution in America. I've been to countries where there were persecution. We've never had any persecution. Oh, somebody said something about us on Facebook. Whoa. Some people made fun of us maybe. And it, that can be bad. It can be painful. It can hurt. But we've never had threatening persecution like the kind that you need to not say you're a Christian. So let's see what this looks like. He's dealing with this. Second Timothy says this, these words, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So look what it says. Let's look at verse 51. Do you, I love this question. I don't know if you've ever read this or not. Jesus, remember, I keep emphasizing this is Jesus talking. Our sweet Jesus. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you not at all, but rather division. I know. I thought the same thing. Let me read it again. Jesus. Because, you know, if somebody come up to you and said, hey, do you think Jesus came to bring peace on earth or division? 99.9% would say, peace for sure. Jesus said, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Maybe some. Not at all. A little bit. None. 
I came, came to bring division. So I'm like, what are you, Jesus? <laughs> okay. I know you never, I, know, I believe the Bible, but I, I'm having trouble grasping what you're saying. If you're asking me to preach this, I need to know what you're saying because I, I don't know that I agree with what you're saying. <laughs> it's kind of important for me to agree with the Bible before I talk about the Bible. So the word peace, here's what the word peace means. Harmonious relations and freedom from disputes. Put that in there. Do you suppose that I came to bring harmonious relations and freedom from disputes? No. No. He does, does not promise us harmonious relations all the time and freedom from disputes. You're like, Chad, wait a minute. What about John 14, 27, where Jesus said these words, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Here's the difference. When Jesus said those words, my peace I give to you. I give to you, to you. Peace to you. The Holy Spirit is what he's talking about. And he says the Holy Spirit will not only be with you, but be in you. So here's the key. God's saying, I come to give you peace to you, but I'm not promising you peace around you. I'm not promising you you're always going to have peace in your circumstances, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to put peace on the inside of you, fruit of the Spirit, so out of your spirit will flow peace instead of peace being an outside-in thing like the world wants. It's an inside-out job. So wherever God plugs you in, even if there's not peace around you, there's peace on the inside of you. This is what God is saying. I didn't come to bring harmonious relations and freedom from dispute. No, 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 I didn't, I didn't come to bring that kind of peace. The kind of peace I came is something that's not emotionally tied. I want that kind of peace. How about you? I want to be, I need some peace in the house. What does that mean? I want everything calm. Want everybody happy? Fake it if you got to, but pretend you're happy. Pretend I'm a good father right now. Just everybody smile. Everybody smile. Just say, thank you, Daddy. It helps me. That's not the kind of peace he's talking about. He's talking about the peace that when all hell is breaking loose in your world, you still got something that says we good. You got something inside of you just like the, widow, the woman said about her son that had passed away. When she came to the prophet, she said, all is well. Was all well? No, her only son was dead. But what did she say? All is well. What is that? What's speaking there? That's the peace of God on the inside of you. It's an internal peace. All right, so now we know what the peace is. What's about this division? I didn't come to bring you harmonious relationships without disputes, but I come to bring some division up in here. The word division means to partition or divide thoroughly into opposing groups. To partition or divide thoroughly into opposing groups. So, Lord, why, 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 why do you come bring division? Separate, divide thoroughly into opposing groups. Is he just coming to be an antagonist? Just coming to create arguments? No. I don't think that's what he means. Again, you figure it out for yourself or pray. Here's what I feel like. I feel like God was saying, I don't come to give you harmonious relationships, freedom from disputes. I'm coming to bring a separation, not for argument's sake, but for identification's sake. In other words, I want to be able to know who's who. 
He's not bringing a division so that we can just bicker back and forth, but I believe he's doing it for identification purposes. The faithful servant versus the evil servant. The sheep versus the goats. The wheat versus the tares. He's not bringing division like he just wants people arguing each other. I'm bringing division so that I can know who is for me and who's against me. Because <laughs> look what it says. It goes on. I tell you, not at all, rather division for from now on, five and one house will be divided, three against two, two against three. Father will be divided against son, son against father, mother against daughter. Daughter against mother, impossible. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law? Well, maybe we understand that one a little bit. Daughter-in-law, no, look at your mother-in-law and say, I love you very much. You're awesome. I like it. Some people call them mother-in-loves or daughter-in-loves. That's good. Daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. So now notice what's happening. There's a divided house here. There's going to be something that happens to the extent that it's what could possibly happen that could pit fathers and sons against each other? People in the whole own household be divided. Could that ever happen in our society? Here's what it tells me. That Jesus said he's coming and he's coming to be polarizing. How many of this world has gotten very polarizing? All you got to do is make a statement. Make a statement. Boom! We go into two camps. It's exhausting for me to try and say something just right so that I don't tick everybody off. I did the first service. I was walking around on tiptoes. I'm like, man, I don't know. So this service, I just thought, hey, who cares? I just, I don't mean who cares like I don't care about people. I just mean it's exhausting to try and please people. Should I say it this way? Should I say it that way? I just got to trust God, love God, love people, and let her rip. So if, it, if anything I say offends you, know that it's not on purpose. So don't clap yet. The sermon's not over. <laughs> here's, I'm a mess. Here's what polarizing means. Causing polarizing. Causing strong disagreement between opposing factions or groupings. Here's what I don't know that people understand. Christianity is supposed to be polarizing. It's supposed to create a division. Not where Christians are over here looking down on the worthless sinner. No, it's supposed to create a heart gap for whose hearts are after God and whose hearts are not after God. It's not these religious perfect people with these other people. We're all imperfect people, but the division is in the heart. God looks on the heart. So the division created is who's going to go after God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and who's going to serve themselves. So Christianity is supposed to be a little bit polarizing. I believe we've got that in today's society, and many people believe that... Uh, it's Christ-like to actually shy away from anything that's going to cause conflict. I believe there's so much intimidation against the church today that Christians themselves are actually backing up, thinking it's uh, wrong to say anything controversial. I'm not really wired that way. 
I'm not trying to be controversial to be controversial, but here's what I will not be. I will not be intimidated into accepting this is what I am just because of a belief. In other words, here's, what, here's what's happening a little bit. I'll read it so I don't mess up what I was trying to say. There's an intimidating attitude that doesn't tolerate opposing opinions, but instead tries to silence them. Amen. Called a cancel culture. I don't mind if you have a difference of opinion to me. I want you to have a difference. I want you to be able to speak your opinion. I'm not going to try and silence the atheist. The atheist should not have a platform. I don't care if they have a platform. Let them speak. We're not trying to cancel opposing views. But when someone tries to cancel opposing views, here's a couple of things. No, I don't have time for that. Maybe a half a thing. Here's a half a thing. The people who hold that belief are not secure enough in their belief to even stand for that belief. I've got four other things, but that's all I'm going to say on that because I'm going to read a little bit of this article. Here's, here's this. This article is in USA Today. It was written about Oral Roberts University. And I don't know if you know anything about it. They were playing, if you like basketball, the NCAA tournament's going on. My bracket's a mess. But anyway, <laughs> Oral Roberts University is a private Christian university, beat number two Ohio State and number seven Florida. And they played last night, got beat by Arkansas just by two, I believe. Uh, they could have gone to the Sweet 16. But anyway, this article, get off the of basketball, Chad, stay focused. Here's what this person said. And now I'm reading this article. This is not to attack this person, but give you an example of what's coming against the Christian beliefs. Oral Roberts says it reaps goodwill, publicity, and revenue of a national title run. The university's deeply bigoted anti-LGBTQ plus policies can't and should not be ignored. The school has been soundly mocked on social media for its archaic standards of behavior and discriminatory and hateful anti-LGBTQ plus policy. Now again, when I say this, this is nothing a personal attack against LGBTQ plus policies or individuals. This is an individual that's attacking this group because of their beliefs. Notice what they, here, here are the archaic standards that Oral Roberts University has, and it's in the article, so they're, they've quoted right out of their personal behavior handbook. Students are expected to maintain the highest standards of integrity, honesty, modesty, and morality. Certain behaviors are expressly prohibited in Scripture and therefore should be avoided by members of the university community. They include theft, lying, dishonesty, gossip, slander, backbiting, profanity, vulgarity, including crude language, sexual promiscuity, including adultery, any homosexual behavior, premarital sex, drunkenness, immodesty of dress, and occult practices. These archaic standards of behavior is called the Bible. That's not everything that's in there that said these are the standards of integrity, honesty, and sexual behavior and profanity and all. That's just biblical standards. But they go on to say, I just highlight a few things. Uh, what is not up for debate, however, is their anti-LGBTQ plus stance, which is nothing short of discriminatory goes on to say the fact is any and all LGBTQ plus language in any of the school's policies should ban them from the NCAA tournament. Their bigoted stance and beliefs should not be accepted. 
Although they're primed to reap the rewards of the work of their unpaid student-athletes on the backs of those hardworking kids, the university will seek to rewrite the narrative of their school into one of athletic victory when, in fact, it's steeped in bigotry and exclusionary fundamentalism. I want you to catch a phrase there, a word that's being used a lot and being thrown around, bigot. Bigot. Thrown around, bigoted. Here's what the word bigoted means. Blindly devoted to some creed, opinion, or practice. That's one. Number two, having or showing an attitude of hatred or intolerance toward the members of a particular group. Now, Oral Roberts University has a statement of beliefs, and that's the way they believe. So is it bigoted to have those beliefs, or if it is, I'll say it this way, if it's bigoted to have those beliefs, then is it not biblical, bigoted to say the opposite against the people who have those beliefs? Why is bigotry only going one direction? See, this is why you cannot be intimidated into apologizing for your beliefs. I'm not talking about standing on the street corner and be hateful and yell at people. That's not the gospel. The gospel is the gospel of love, but it's a gospel of truth. That I'm not going to apologize for what the Bible says. I didn't write the Bible. I didn't make up the rule that, that marriage is between one man and one woman. The Bible says that. Jesus affirmed that when he was on the earth. So it's not something that I'm attacking people because I believe in that. That's just saying that's what the Bible says. So it's not hateful to have a belief. It's a hateful, it's hateful when you come against people and attack them and, and get personal and vengeful. That's hateful. So why am I saying these things? I'm saying these things because I believe pastors even themselves have gotten so timid about saying what's right or wrong that Christians themselves don't even know what to stand up for. Go to Matthew chapter 10. We've got to hurry. I've got two scriptures to get to and a short time to get there. This is Smokey and the Bandit time. <laughs> Smokey and the what? Just ask your parents after church. We're eastbound and down, looking up and trucking. We're going to do what they say can't be done in 15 minutes. <laughs> ready? Matthew chapter 10. <laughs> Just extend a hand and pray for him. Look at verse 32. It says this. Therefore, whoever confesses, this is Jesus talking. Whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Yes, Boom. That sounds good. Let's do that. But there's also verse 33. But. Whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who's in heaven. Two camps. Bringing division. Look at the next verse. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. Well, well I thought you did. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Or some people say sword. I came to bring a sword. Now, wait a minute. What does the word sword mean? I wrote it down. It means discord or war. Jesus came to bring a war. What did he come to bring a war about? Well, he said when he came, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, he says, for this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. What did he come for a war on? He came for a war on the kingdom of darkness. He didn't come for a war on people. So we don't come with a war on people. Come on, church, our war is not against flesh and blood. 
Stop attacking the Democrats or the Republicans like they're your enemy. They are not your enemy. Your enemy is the devil. What's happening in the world? And people ask, oh, Jesus, move forward. I can't have time. I started to go off on that. I can't. I, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and daughter against his mother and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be those of his own household. All right, this is part of Christianity a lot of people don't hear about. You take a stand. How I many know right now the things happen in society, they have been so polarizing that households are divided. Politically, culturally, it's happening. It's, and that's what the Bible's saying. Their own household will be their enemy. He, but look what he says in verse 37. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. A lot to say there. I don't have time for that, but man, read that, meditate on that, let God show you. Even, even nobody comes between you and Jesus. I'm telling you, don't try and save your kids by compromising your Jesus. If you will stick close to Jesus, He will save your kids. But if you try and compromise your Jesus, to make it a little more watered down so that they'll like it. No, burn on fire for Jesus and let that fire be something that draws him to God. Okay, I can't, I got more, but I don't, I'm, verse 38. And he or she who does not take his cross, this jumped out at me. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. This is what spoke to me in verse 38. He who does not take his cross, his cross, like, that's like possessive pronoun. So like my Bible says, see Everett on there. So this is like my Bible. If you would pick it up off the chair, you'd go, oh, that's his Bible. Well, that's how Jesus describes my cross. Not yours, not his. I'm not talking about a cross where I save humanity. That's already been done through Jesus. Don't get it twisted. I'm not, I don't need a cross so that I can save myself and others. That's not the type of cross I'm talking about. I'm talking about a baptism. I'm talking about denying myself. He said, take up his cross. You and I, we have a cross. In Christianity, we don't want to talk about this. We just want to talk about blessing and good times. But we need to understand the foundational truth that if we're going to live for Jesus, those who live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. we got a cross to carry. You remember uh, Satan when he went to tempt Jesus? He took him up on a high place. And the Bible says this. He showed him all the kingdoms, kingdoms of the world in a moment. What did he say? He said to Jesus, Yo, dude, if you just bow down and worship me, all these kingdoms of the world have been given to me. And I give them to whomever I wish. Satan offered Jesus a kingdom 
without a cross. And he offers you and me the same thing every day. Everything that the Father wanted to give Jesus, it had to come through the cross. And I come to remind Christians, everything that God wants to do in your life comes through his cross and your cross. Paul said, I crucify myself daily. Jesus said, whoever desires, who, who does not take up his cross, his cross, so here's what, here's what I feel. I got to land the plane. We're going to face some persecutions in the world. It's only going to get more. But don't be, don't be discouraged by it. Don't be discouraged by it. Just because we're going to have persecutions, don't back up and get timid. Be bold and say, yes, I live for Jesus. And I'm going to crucify my flesh. And I'm going to crucify my desires. And I'm going to come after and follow him. And if he's leading the way, if God be for me, then who could be against me? But somebody sold you a bad bill of goods if they told you you can follow Christ without a cross. Tried to tell you, oh, just it's going to be good. Just serve Jesus. It's going to be great all the time. No, there's going to be a cross. There's going to be a price to pay. Not cross of redemption. I hear people say, oh, he's telling us we got to die on the cross again. Jesus wasn't enough, so we got to die. No, no, and no, no. I'm quoting the words of Jesus. Take up his cross. It doesn't say take up my cross and follow me. It says take up Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.